Let us pray. Most gracious and living God, we give thanks for this, your word, and ask that by the power of your Holy Spirit, this would not be merely words, but in fact food, in fact nourishment that changes us, shapes us, transforms us in your likeness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We are in the middle of a series on uh, creation. We have looked at the gift of God's created world, universe. We have looked at the way that creation speaks and declares God's glory, even without words. We've looked at the, the call we have to be stewards or shepherds of creation. Last week and this week, we are looking at the way Jesus so often employs very basic imagery from creation to tell something essential about who God is and, and, and what God is all about. Last week it was water, today it is bread. Our Old Testament reading comes from Proverbs chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. Wisdom has built her house, she has hewn her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her animals, she has mixed her wine, she has also set her table. She has sent out her servant girls. She calls from the highest places in the town. You that are simple, turn in here. To those without sense, she says, come. Eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Lay aside immaturity and live. And walk in the way of insight. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And then continuing with some of that bread imagery. Jesus in John chapter 6 has been for some time talking about bread in this chapter. He's, he's multiplied the fish and the loaves and, and, and coming near to a very extended discussion on living bread. We get to these words in, in verses 51 to 59. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day, for my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so whoever eats me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like that which your ancestors ate and they died, but the one who eats this bread will live forever. He said these things while he was teaching in the synagogue at Capernaum. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Have you ever been eating with a meal with someone and just as you take they ask a question and now your mouth is full of food and generally right you have two options you just sort of talk through and chomp with your response or you give kind of the quick pause just chew and when maybe you're almost finished chewing hand over the mouth and and respond or what about you're sharing a meal with someone and, and they, they're across the way from you and they, and they kind of do this number. 
Now, okay, they could they could come right out and just say, you have a piece of salad, a half of one of those carrot strips and the yellow vinaigrette on your upper lip. But you're, you're in polite company. There are these small ways, right, that we either learn from parents or quietly watching one another. Small ways we recognize. It's impolite, if not rude, to chomp loudly with your mouth full and everyone can see what's in your mouth. It's, it's not ideal, if not, uh, it's a bit unseemly to have food visibly on your face while at the meal. But if John 6 underscores anything in particular, it is that Jesus cares not for our manners. He has a central point to make along these lines of unseemly eating. And it starts out simply enough. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Ah, yes, Jesus is the nourishment of heaven, the nourishment of God's realm come into our midst. And, and bread, of course, it's this wonderful metaphor for Jesus, this image for thinking about how God comes among us and, and feeds us upon his way and his word. All true. Plenty that can be unpacked there, but, but let's just go with where Jesus goes for a moment in this particular passage. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever, and, and the bread I give them for the life of... Uh, give for the life of the world is my flesh. Flesh. And with that word, Jesus seems to be pressing the metaphor a little too much, a bit uncomfortably. It hedges, quite frankly, towards cannibalism taken at face value. Eating living bread, that's one thing, but flesh, that word. So we read in verse 52, the next one, Then the Jews disputed among themselves, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Literally, how's he going to do that, and and how could he go there? Health concerns aside, any eating of the flesh, drinking of the blood, was expressly forbidden in Jewish law. Now, seeing this angst-filled clamor that was building, Jesus has an opportunity to calm everyone down and teach them the lesson. Okay, everyone, I'm... (laughs) I'm speaking in a metaphor. I don't really mean for you to eat my flesh. I I don't mean for my very being and life and person to be coursing through your blood, your your, your body, your bones, your fibers. It's a manner of speaking. It's It's a way of thinking. But instead of calming everyone down, explaining the metaphor a bit, Jesus just intensifies his whole message throughout Most of John chapter 6, which is all about bread, bread, living bread, Jesus has typically been, has only been using this Greek word, a typical Greek word for eat. Eat the bread, eat living bread. But beginning in verse 54, after the, the Jews are wondering what's going on, Jesus responds to the Jews. He switches to another Greek word, which means to chomp, to smack your lips, to chew with your mouth open. It's a word that connoted a physical crunching sound. So verse 54 reads this way. Those who chomp, chew, crunch with their mouth open upon my flesh and drink my blood have eternal life. And that same word, that chomping word for eat, is repeated in verse 56, 57, and 58 throughout the rest of this passage. It's an unsettling imagery, certainly to our modern sensibilities, and most definitely to the Jewish people standing there. Why? Why speak of receiving Jesus in such visceral, almost repugnant, earthy terms? 
And yet it seems Jesus wants to bring home the fact that he does not seek just mental assent to some basic beliefs. Or, or like the Greeks of the day, he's not selling some kind of philosophical construct to debate and understand the universe. He seeks that we would truly, really be nourished in our whole being, even our bodily actions, by his words and his way. He wants to be clear. Yes, there is an actual eating Faith is physically lived and experienced, physically embodied. Me and you, you and me. One of Dietrich Bonhoeffer's favorite quotes he carried with him uh, a good part of his life came from an 18th century German theologian, and it is this. Embodiment is the end of God's path. Embodiment is the end of God's path. And because Jesus cares about our embodied reality of faith, eating really must be a central way of understanding the faith. And so Jesus does unashamedly hold before us the image of an open mouth chewing and loud chomping, lest at any point we're tempted to think of the faith as anything less than all consuming and all nourishing reality that affects every part of our being and body, life and death. Eventually, Jesus gives us this meal. He doesn't explain all of the ins and outs of precisely how it works, but John 6 and elsewhere makes it clear the eating matters. It's not just theoretical. The Scots Confession of 1560 uh, 1560 is found in our Presbyterian Book of Confessions and offers one of the more succinct explanations for how this works. In the meal... Christ is joined with us that he becomes the very nourishment and food of our souls by means of the Holy Ghost. Somehow, by the power of the Holy Spirit at work in and through this meal, our bodies, our souls, this utterly intertwined reality that is our being, is fed. And when you're fed, the body always changes. Embodiment is the end of God's path. I've told the story before how when I was serving a church in Atlanta, they were starting this new uh, worship service on Sunday evenings, and the idea was that there was this larger young adult population in the area. Emory University was very close to the, the church, and perhaps the, the church, we might connect with more of those, those students in that evening time frame. And, and that started to happen, but, but as things were starting off, it really was not at all this overwhelming connection. And, and, and questions emerged in the leadership, well, how, how is this going to work? God did call us to try this service, right? To connect and, and, and learn and grow alongside these people as we follow Jesus, right? I mean, this... So the service was tweaked and changed and tried some things, some different things with the advertising. One thing that was never changed was, was this weekly communion. The church just kept coming forward for bread and, and juice or wine. You had the option. And, and it's not that this was a one-to-one correlation at all, but, but not too far into the experience. Uh, I receive a call from a chaplain at a local mental health organization that specialized in treating young adults with various mental health challenges. And she asks, can we take our bus and and bring any residents who would like to worship, uh, bring them to that Sunday night service? Sure. 
And they came, maybe a dozen residents every week. And, and for the most part, you, you could tell they were not like most of the other folks gathering in the sanctuary. Some of them wore headphones during the service of worship. Some of them paced along the back pews for a lot of the service. And when they came forward to, for communion, nobody knew exactly what was going to happen. I remember at times one of them would arrive to the front and honestly the person would just forget what they were supposed to do and we'd kind of need to walk through that. At other times someone would take a piece of bread and then ask for more bread before moving on. And for some of them there were real motor skill challenges and so they would submerge this piece of bread into the cup of juice along with their fingers and, and sort of right you know, to that hand spot and then come back out and eat. By some definitions, this was not proper. But something about the mess of it all, something about the way that communion was taken that accented the fact that, you know what, we were definitely overtly, messily eating and drinking. Something about it seemed to catch, capture the essence of Jesus' invitation in John 6 quite faithfully. And really in more ways than one. Because as the, the, the church that started this service started to receive Jesus into themselves week in, week out, they discovered the truth that when we eat living bread, the body changes. And often not like we planned for or expected. Because while the church hoped that the body would connect with more of these young Emory students and young professionals, and some of that did happen, the, the, the church never saw the body growing by way of a mental health institute all of a mile down the road that's been there for quite some time. Just wasn't on the radar. But when you're receiving living bread, the bread changes the body. That's the promise. That is why upon receiving Christ, things grow and emerge that we never saw on the radar. It's a mysteriously beautiful, concrete faithfulness that is known through this. And this is why Jesus is so visceral and he's not going to let up an inch on the eating my flesh, drinking my blood talk. Because he doesn't want us for even a moment to start thinking of this whole thing as an abstraction. An interesting concept to consider. A proper Sunday idea where we'd be loath to have anyone see what we are eating. No, to receive the bread who is Jesus into our bloodstreams and our bones and our fibers is to know our bodies changing individually, corporately, and obviously. That's food 101, it's faith 101 because God is simply too faithful to allow us to remain the same and too faithful to shape us according to our small visions of how we think it should go. Indeed, Jesus promises that all who eat of him and drink of him shall know eternal life. And while I think sometimes our smaller vision is that maybe, if we're lucky, we'll have a long life, a somewhat healthy life, and then you die, Jesus said, eat this bread, your body will change, it will be in fact transformed, it will be raised into eternal life. This morning we will partake of a meal. You will receive a small piece of bread, a small cup of juice and it might be easy to think nothing of it to think well that's an interesting idea of how the faith works or helpful visual for remembering Jesus's death but God cannot do anything less than be faithful living bread changes the body partake and expect the horizon 
to shift. Expect your eyes to notice people you hadn't noticed previously. Expect your hands to serve and reach out and befriend people you hadn't seen. Expect for your feet to move in a direction you had not planned for or thought. Expect your heart to soften in areas you didn't even know had hardened. Expect for your ears to finally hear that thing God's been saying actually for quite some time. Expect for the gathering to have people we could never have thought of or imagined as God's future for the church. Living bread changes bodies now and forever. And thanks be to God. Amen.